Hello and welcome. And we're at Holistic Investments, and I'm your host, Constantine Kogan. And today we have a special guest who's a co-founder of LinkedIn and also co-founder of uh, Hop Protocol, uh, Eric Lee. Hi, Eric. Hey, Constantine. Great to be with you today. Yeah, this is uh, an honor. Like, seriously, you have such an amazing story to tell, and uh, we're going to get to it, like, you know, really shortly. Uh, traditionally, I have to read the disclaimer just in case. Uh, so this content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. So we can start. So I don't... I, I try to structure it as much as possible because I want to uh, make sure that people um, go quickly uh, with your journey. So you, uh, there is one iconic moment in your history, which I want to start from, if you don't mind. So, um, and it, it, it is related to uh, one of the early companies uh, that you've been part of. And it, there, <coughs> actually, this company has, uh, is so, it was so impressive, even though it ended up, uh, uh, you know, as, as, we, as we know now, almost like a, a failure, so to speak, although I don't consider it a failure, but we're talking about general magic. Which has a uh, uh, which in 1994, I think you were there, like in 1995, and uh, it has it had like incredible vision and Netflix series actually filmed a documentary about it. So, can you talk a little bit about your the start of your career when you were still in Sun Microsystems and General Magic? Yeah, sure, Constantine. I mean, thanks for asking me about that experience. Not a lot of people do so. It's a really fascinating uh, experience to to share. I mean, you know, General Magic was a company that uh, was started by some former Apple people uh, before uh, Steve Jobs returned to Apple. You know, for the infamous uh, second uh, life of uh, Apple, and um, uh, I guess the way it started was there were kind of like two factions of uh, Apple. You know, who um, uh, wanted to build, you know, the, you know, what is now the smartphone, but at the time was called the, you know, personal digital assistant, the PDA. There, there was the, the Newton folks. And then there was, you know, this other, um, you know, uh, faction that uh, had some other ideas. Uh, actually, many ways, the precursor of the internet, because what General Magic was working on was this connected device that was connected to all these different services, you know, like e-commerce and information uh, destinations, uh, you know, the information superhighway, as it was. And it had an amazing, you know, team. Um, again, the kind of founders were, you know, from uh, Apple, and uh, they had many of the members of the original um, Mac team mm -hmm. uh, that were founders of uh, General Magic. And uh, it was just, you know, in the early 90s, really, you know, the place to be. So sort of like, you know, these days, uh, you know, if you wanted to be, you know, part of a, you know, hot startup, I don't want to mention anything, anyone in particular for funding, <laughs> you know, uh, a company that I didn't mention, but, um, but it was, you know, really the kind of the hot company to uh, be at because there was such amazing people and they were working on such a, you know, tremendous vision. Uh, what was really exciting about General Magic was, you know, really all of the really successful entrepreneurs that came out of, you know, General Magic. So, for example, the, uh, you know, uh, founder of eBay, you know, was uh, at one time uh, uh, from uh, General Magic. 
Um, you know, there were others who, you know, started, um, you know, um, the early days of internet TV uh, from General Magic. And um, maybe the most famous of all was the, you know, father of the iPod, as they say, um, Tony Fidel, who was mm-hmm. uh, at one time on the General Magic team um, as well. So, so it was a dream great, team, basically. <laughs> it was. It was, uh, it was an amazing place. And I, I learned so much, you know, uh, from there uh, in terms of, uh, you know, just really the excellence that's required to, you know, create, you know, great technology and uh, just the, the standards, uh, you know, for that. And, and, you know, amazing people, you know, all around. Yeah, no, so that that's probably like, I, I really implore people to take a look at the documentary because it, ha- it, it actually transferred this story incredibly that sometimes even if you have a dream team, if you have a vision and, you know, you can be unlucky as well, like, you know, and you can be lost in certain like uh, estimations. And it's still, I think uh, uh, anyone who's really went to entrepreneurship, like, they would respect all the folks who made this risk and like, you know, actually had an, a tremendous career, as you mentioned, in Apple and like even some, some people came out of there and, you know, uh, created their own companies. And eventually, this is an uh, exceptional experience. So I think that the, like there, may, there were a lot of other companies that shaped you as you are right now, but I obviously I cannot admit like uh, the company, <laughs> one of the biggest social media uh, in the world, LinkedIn. So um, you, you were like one of the founding team members and you're a CTO for LinkedIn for quite a while. So can you talk a little bit about this particular experience? So how, how did you get to this team and uh, maybe talk about a little bit some about the architecture of one of the biggest social media? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the story really began, you know, uh, uh, on the basis of a personal relationship um, that I had with one of the other co-founders, uh, Reid Hoffman, mm-hmm. um, you know, when uh, we were at university together. And uh, it was, in a way, you know, looking back, one of the, you know, very typical stories where, you know, you meet um, people that you will work with uh, at school and, uh, you know, eventually go on to, you know, do something. Uh, and we, uh, so I, I knew Reed uh, and, and uh, the other uh, co-founders, uh, many of them were also from Stanford, and, um, uh, you know, Riyad and I were sort of early entrepreneurs, uh, you know, uh, prior to LinkedIn, we would uh, often get together for dinner and, and uh, share our mainly war stories about all the problems that we were having with our respective startups at the time. But we really, you know, built a bond and, and we also shared a passion for, uh, you know, entrepreneurship and, and startups. And we, we talked, uh, you know, often how, you know, one day we would start to uh, do something together. And, um, uh, you know, the circumstances were, uh, you know, really just, you know, right at the time, uh, LinkedIn was one of these companies that actually got started um, during um, uh, a bus cycle where the internet bubble had just burst. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hardly anyone believed there was a future uh, in the internet, which uh, is sort of surprising to believe right now, but um, was was actually the case at that time. I mean, investors would... uh, you know, we like to joke, go play at golf courses rather than, you know, go talk to, you know, startups. And, um, but so we had a very, you know, sort of uh, uh, modest idea. There was a, basically a group of us who said, you know, you know, this internet thing isn't really all bad. 
you know, all the failures that came with the dot-com, you know, boom, uh, it didn't have to be. So we had this idea around uh, LinkedIn, uh, which was keeping track of our networks uh, because in Silicon Valley, you know, people uh, move from job to job relatively quickly. And so you never really know where your contacts are. And so we mm -hmm. built this platform as a way really for ourselves to figure out where, you know, the people in our networks uh, were, 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 you know, uh, what companies they had maybe, you know, moved to, or maybe they had been at a company, you know, and their vesting was up and it was time to, you know, persuade them to, you know, join a venture, um, you know, of, of your own. And, um, and uh, so that was really the idea for, you know, LinkedIn. And we, you know, thought that uh, really building this kind of professional graph uh, where, you know, people uh, could not only keep track of their networks, but could connect to other people who they might not know, but want to be connected with, uh, could, could use a platform for introductions uh, and to reach, you know, people that uh, had opportunities uh, for them. And uh, it turned out that a lot of people, uh, you know, felt the same way and had a similar interest. And, and uh, so, you know, we're very fortunate that uh, LinkedIn became as successful as it did. Yeah, I mean, today it's number one business social network. You know, a lot of people complain that like Facebook is a lot of spam there. Like, you know, TikTok is for only like, typically more younger audience and Instagram same is like not functional for a lot of business unless you're just selling something, but not like networking. So, and LinkedIn is kind of this perfect uh, middle where, you know, where you actually have uh, a combination of uh, the social media we actually like or business oriented. So, and I, I'm after like a recent acquisition uh, by Microsoft, like they're looking to have uh, what, what, almost 1 billion users so pretty soon. So that's impressive. And uh, now to, to, to kind of, I mean, this topic is so like vast, so we can talk about it, uh, I guess, as a separate uh, show. But I want to jump um, uh, to other, like I would say, now your fo current focus, uh, which is um, uh, Hub uh, uh, Project, which a human trust protocol as uh, an acronym, right? And the, the idea uh, of, uh, of Hub, you will explain better, but the way I understood it is uh, to build trust using the blockchain technology and to build uh, a new level of reputation where people, you know, they, they will not only trust you, know, you online, you know, just based on your avatar, based on the, the description and the information you're putting in, but you're also, uh, you will have an opportunity to win their trust and build this reputation. So obviously this is just a very simplified version <laughs> of the project. So I, I wanted to tell more about uh, how project. Yeah, you explained it well, Constantine. And, and uh, you know, the, the origins of, of Hub really, uh, in many ways, originated with LinkedIn. You know, when I left LinkedIn, which was, uh, you know, uh, several years ago, I uh, really thought that, uh, you know, uh, it was done, you know, uh, social networks, uh, professional networks, uh, largely completed by these uh, successful companies that existed. As I looked into it more deeply, I began to see that, that maybe there were, you know, some... Uh, cracks in the armor and some, some opportunities uh, to, um, you know, improve on things. Um, you know, one of the things that I realized from my own experience, 
from LinkedIn was that, you know, this is a platform, LinkedIn, I mean, uh, that is really trying to mediate trust between people. You know, I, if I'm a you know, recruiter on uh, LinkedIn, which is one of the major use cases on the platform, we're trying to hire somebody. I really want to try to find uh, the right candidate for a position that I'm you know, trying to fill. And, and that's really an exercise in trust, right? Out of all the candidates, you know, who uh, I'm interviewing, you know, who's the one, you know, who I can have the most, you know, trust in that would be appropriate for this position. We're, we're trying to learn, you know, about that, that person or those people um, and, and get them through the, you know, interview process. If I'm doing a, you know, partnership with someone, um, how can I get to know them and, and uh, you know, know that they're going to be a good partner uh, with me and my, you know, business deal. So a lot of the, you know, interactions and uh, purpose for LinkedIn really kind of come, came down to this idea of establishing trust. And that's when I realized that, you know, uh, there were more opportunities to do better than you know, these existing platforms and, and, and sort of the form of the you know, problem uh, was, uh, you know, I, as a user, I want to trust other people who I don't know, I want to meet them. Mm -hmm. And I want to establish trust to be able to do something. But how do I know that um, the information that I'm uh, getting from them about them, their profiles, is actually, in fact, you know, who they say they are. Uh, and the fact is, I, I don't know, uh, but I'm, I'm relying on this information, nonetheless, right. And the reason I don't know that this information is trustworthy is because people enter the information uh, on their own. They, they write about their backgrounds. They write about, you know, where they've gone to school, what jobs they've had, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, uh, they're expert in, that sort of thing. Um, and in doing so, uh, they, they, you know, people, they tend to sort of exaggerate and, um, you know, not always be truthful. They, they want to paint a pretty picture about their background. And so th I think that's where the kind of the, problem is, is where, you know, if I'm depending on this information to get to know somebody, how do I know that, you know, that's true. And so we thought that really, in a way, you know, blockchain was just really a great way to attack some of these problems. And in, in terms of, um, you know, getting closer to truth, um, that can be verified, you know, which, you know, I think is one of the fundamental tenets of blockchain, you know, in terms of this uh, immutability aspect. Mm -hmm. of um, information. And then secondly, you know, I believe that reputation is actually one of the most valuable kinds of data that people have about themselves. You know, if people have a great reputation, they really benefit from that. They get access to new jobs, they get new access to new projects and opportunities. And so reputation is something that is really important to own. And so we came to this other concept that I think is also very relevant for blockchain which is this idea of portability of the reputation. So we want, you know, to build kind of a new kind of reputation, you know, for people that is both verified as well as portable. And, you know, basically that's in a nutshell what the, you know, hub project is about. Mm -hmm. So before we, we go deeper into this, so like I, I kind of, I'm going to, try to take a position of uh, uh, devil's advocate, right? Because uh, I, I, I love this topic so much and I've researched it on different layers. I, you know, on the sociological and ontological level on obviously from the blockchain perspectives, I was actually uh, once building a platform for 
uh, financial advisors who were trying to do very similar concept, like just from a different, uh, I would say, uh, perspective, looking at it, but also trying to build reputation. How can you verify that financial advisor is who he is, like, you know, his licenses across the world he has, and to unite this into one marketplace. And uh, not to go deeper into this conversation, but we failed, and I know now why. So I... I I want to ask you first, like, you know, why, what's the premise, like, you know, what's the criteria, how you even evaluate, like, you know, whether a person is trustworthy or not, before we get into token model and before we get to other uh, important topics, because the internet of value right now, the, that's the, the protocol that you're introducing, the, the technological aspects are brilliant, and I'm, I'm sure we can talk about it, and it's, they're amazing right now, what you can do, and I love in your in the white paper, which I actually uh, suggest people to take a look at it, it's a 41 page, you know, incredibly well written, and actually, uh, Rich Miller and Mika Matsumura and Eldermal as well, like another you know, great colleagues of yours, uh, and the opening line is brilliant. The currency of the new economy is trust by Rachel Bossman, by the way, a famous author, uh, uh, and. Uh, but again, the, the 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 concept of trust is so deep on many levels. So I just want you to help us to understand how do you even uh, digitize trust? Yeah, that's a great question, Constantine. And and uh, I know I'm speaking to an expert in you, so uh, <laughs> I have to you know uh, answer carefully and uh, hopefully intelligently. Um, you know, it, it it's a deep you know concept, right? Trust, and so we don't pretend that we're going to you know be the, you know, project that, you know, solves it once and for all. And I don't know if it ever, you know, can be solved, but I do believe that we can get closer to uh, enabling people, you know, to present, uh, you know, uh, good versions of themselves and um, uh, to, uh, you know, move, move the, you know, state of the art, you know, further. And, and one of our advisors, uh, Josh Hillman, you know, once told us, uh, that if, if you can even, you know, incrementally solve this, um, you know, and make it a little bit better, uh, you know, the dividends, uh, you know, for the users are, are going to be, you know, so significant. And I, I really believe that, you know, as well. But, okay, so what, what are we doing? You know, first of all, we, we believe that, you know, we want people to make their own decisions about, you know, other people in terms of whether they are trustworthy. Um, so the first thing that we're going to do is to just – mainly make sure that, you know, when people disclose information about themselves, that others who look at that information can know that it is, um, you know, true to a large degree. And that's where this kind of verified idea, you know, comes in. We don't, we, we don't want people to merely enter information about themselves. We want other parties to verify that information. So a very simple example is, if I've gone to a certain school, of course, I can put that into my profile on LinkedIn, but it would be even better if the school said, I actually went there uh, and, and provide the verification, right? There's been very famous cases of people who have, you know, sort of fabricated their education experience just to, you know, qualify for certain jobs. They've been, you know, found out and, you know, they've had to resign, you know, from those jobs. There's a, there was a very famous uh case, um, you know, a few years ago with involving the Yahoo CEO who, you know, claimed that he got a computer science degree, you know, in fact, uh, you know, someone ultimately checked the school and just found out that, uh, 
you know, he went there uh, and, and, and had enrolled in the program, but never, you know, finished uh, the degree. So, and, and that, you know, those are just the reported cases, you know, that happens uh, many times over with the cases. Uh, by, by the way, if, if I may pause it for a second, this is like kind of a very controversial thing because if if he's a good CEO and he actually, like he made it, like he he becomes CEO of the, one of the major corporations without even completing the education, it's almost like this question, does it even matter, right? You know, so I, I, I mean, I understand that generally misrepresent anything, like it's not, it's not a good ethical trade uh, by no means. But um, the question if the school approves you like, and, and showcase that, okay, you're graduate from Stanford or from Harvard, from Yale. Um, and what if not? Then what, what happens to a person that, for example, a dro dropout? Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is visible. What if the person does not even want to talk about it? And you, as my classmate, have an, you have an ability to go to the hub network and actually input this data saying that, you know what, Constantine actually, he didn't finish this course. So you, you see, this is also like a tricky angle, like, you know, so how-, yeah, how do I, I, sure do, I do see what you're saying. And, and uh, you know, again, you know, we, we don't try to be the end all, uh, be all and end all of, of trust, because as you said, it's a really complex, uh, you know, concept, um, you know, based on how, you know, people, you know, make decisions. Um, you know, we, what we, what we say is, look, you know, um, how people choose to make decisions about, you know, who they hire or who they, you know, trust. Um, those are things that, you know, is, is really left up to them, you know, whether somebody should have a, you know, computer science degree to have a certain job or uh, they don't need to have a, you know, such a degree to have a job. It's not really for us to decide it. it, it that's, that's where this sort of, you know, human judgment still, you know, really matters. What we hope that we can do is we can provide the information that is accurate, that allows those decision makers to make the best decision that they can. And clearly, if, if we can put, you know, good information, reliable information, verified information in front of the decision makers, it's going to help them a lot in making, you know, better decisions, which is what we hope you know, them and, you know, everyone else who needs to decide whether, you know, should they hire a plumber, you know, is that plumber uh, uh, reliable? Um, are they going to fix it and not, you know, have problems? Or if they're going to hire, you know, a, um, you know, a, a teacher, you know, in, in all different, you know, professions, um, everyone is trying to make a decision about whether they're going to trust somebody. And if we can provide the, you know, accurate information for them to aid them in their decision making, then we would have done a lot, you know, to, um, advance the cause of trust. Hundred percent, no, and I and I really support it. I'm just like trying to get into deeper levels of understanding. Like, so as I assume right now, you you did did you connect to how many universities already support this uh, program? Like, if I want to verify, like you know, in the just let's say even in the United States. Well, um, you know, um, all, all the universities in the United States uh, supported to you know, some degree, you know, unfortunately, it's not on the blockchain yet. So that's an area that, you yes. know, we're very interested in and working to, um, you know, try to move them over to, to uh, the blockchain, but uh, they do provide some verifications, it's not especially efficient. And uh, there is, you know, every reason to believe that if you could make this process more efficient, that people will actually, you know, decision makers, let's call them that, um, you know, employers will, will um, you know, benefit from uh, greater efficiency as, as well. 
Um, so, um, you know, in the rest of the world, um, the uh, process of verifying even, you know, education credentials is more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of it is, you know, paper-based. A lot of it, you have to call the school and find somebody who can, you know, look through uh, some records and tell you whether, you know, the name shows up on a particular register. It's very inefficient, right? And so, uh, it is in a world that is moving faster and faster and decision-making needs to go faster and faster, that's where, you know, this kind of technology, you know, especially around blockchain is really going to be super helpful because, again, once, once we've got the facts recorded, you know, it can't be tampered with. And you can just, you know, pull that information from the blockchain and know that it's, you know, accurate and you can depend on that information. So if I may throw another curveball, I apologize, but I just have to. Like, you know, so the, the, the other flip side of this technology, and we had this multiple like conferences, like it's a mutable ledger. And yes, you cannot be tempered at the information you're inputting. Like, you know, this is like on the blockchain and it's amazing. But the problem is if you input wrong information, let's imagine you call some university, I will use uh, my native country, Ukraine, and you can still like negotiate with some people that the information will be input in the way they prefer to. And, and plus the evaluation of the credentials is also a tricky part because it's not going to be the same as in the US standards. But set aside this, like imagine you just evaluate somebody has master's or whatever, or somebody has some other form of education and it's wrong and it's already on the blockchain. So you cannot even change this information. So how do you deal with this uh, particular instance? Yeah, a couple of thoughts there. I mean, first of all, um, you know, uh, there should be the possibility to um, update or change the information if it's found out that it's incorrect, right? The, the, um, uh, the source of the information is, is, is very, you know, important. If, if the source of the information, such as a, educational institution, you know, and it's assumed to be trustworthy is the source of the information, then you would assume that the information is also, you know, correct. If it comes from, you know, your uncle, for example, Constantine, that you went to a certain school, then maybe there should be some uh, suspicion about whether... Unless unless he's a dean in the school. (laughs) Unless he's a dean, you know, and he's operating in his uh, official capacity, You're, you're absolutely correct. Um, so, you know, so that's, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, some thoughts. I mean, another thought also is that, um, you know, the uh, quantity of information is also very, you know, valuable. And so we have this concept in our project of a, you know, trust score where you, you know, basically is the aggregate of a lot of, you know, different pieces of information that, you know, tells you, hey, you know, on the whole, this person, maybe he, you know, they, they had some bumps along the way, but on the whole, he's a trustworthy person because of these other things that he did since then, such as, you know, being CEO of a major corporation, he's an okay person. Um, You know, that's, um, you know, helpful as well. So we want to not only be, you know, the place where, um, you know, the basic facts about individual's identity is stored. uh, We also want to help, you know, kind of create these kind of scoring mechanisms that help summarize that information so that people can, you know, more quickly, you know, benefit from uh, this data. So if I may specify, in your in this scoring system, which is very um, interesting, like how many different parameters are you taking into account? Well, it's, it's, it's really arbitrary. I mean, I think the first, you know, step, you know, of the project, which is already a major step, is just to 
gather all this information, you know, in the first place by just, you know, developing uh, the richness of the information and increasing it, you know, as much as possible is already, you know, valuable, very valuable in itself. You know, the key again is not to just have merely lots of information. It's to have lots of verified information about people. So that that's the first part. Okay. And then on top of that, then you can actually, you know, have uh, calculate, you know, reliability, uh, trust score on top of that information. And then frankly, you know, you know, decision makers differ in the things that matter to them. You know, like you were saying, you know, it might be really important that, you know, I have a computer science degree to qualify for this job. Somebody else who's, you know, making that decision might not care whether I have a degree, you know, or not. Maybe they want to, you know, be interested in the college dropout because, you know, there are some very successful college dropouts, um, you know, as well. So everybody is making decisions, you know, using different criteria. And so we want to leave, you know, that criteria up to those decision makers and help them, you know, make um, up their, you know, minds uh, by providing the basic information. And so that also implies that there isn't just one sort of trust score. There's actually, you know, an arbitrary, you know, infinite, you know, kinds of trust scores. It just depends on, you know, how the decision maker you know, is evaluating the trustworthiness, basically, of, uh, you know, those individuals. So, so maybe, Eric, if you can help me to understand better, like in the audience, like, let's take a practical example. If you were, if I were to digitize my reputation on your platform, so how would the process go? How would you even, who would you ask whether I'm a trustworthy colleague, friend, or like I'm, I was a good student or, or not? Like, so how would it start? Well, um, you know, just like um, on a LinkedIn profile, there's so many different aspects of, you know, who you are, right? Um, the, the, the jobs that you've had, the schools that you've gone to, uh, various uh, skill sets, um, you know, that you have, interests that you have. Um, those are all things that can form your profile. And so for the things that are, um, you know, sort of easy to verify, right, by, um, you know, uh, going to the institutions that you've been at or going to the companies that have records that you've been there because, uh, you know, they've paid you, you know, uh, between this time and that time you, you were, you know, obviously employed. We can check those facts and essentially assign kind of like a blue check mark next to those uh, entries in your profile and say, you know what, these things are, you know, confirmed for Constantine. There so one, uh, one example that pops in my mind immediately, for example, if I ro uh, run my own company and I am the founder of the company or, and the only founder, I don't have even co-founders. So the, the only person who can verify that I work there is me. So how, how, how can we deal with this situation? <laughs> yeah, great question. Well, so, for, so, the, so there are other kinds of facts that are harder to you know, verify because the sources of those information, of that information is you know, more difficult to, to access, or maybe there aren't, you know, very many sort of independent, you know, uh, sources. And so in, in those cases, what we, you know, do is we, we really um, are looking at the behaviors of that individual, you know, as, as, a, as a way to prove that, um, you know, a certain fact is true about them. So if you worked, you know, if, if you're a founder of a company, uh, maybe you, um, you know, blog from your, uh, you know, company, blog on your company's blog. Maybe you attend a lot of conferences where you're talking about your company and what it's doing. 
uh, that sort of thing. All those things are uh, verifiable facts um, that are associated with your, you know, position as a founder of this company. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, not a direct proof, but it lends a lot of, you know, evidence, right? We can collect these sort of, you know, facts that kind of build up. And again, you know, going back to this idea of the trust score, um, we can kind of build functions into that trust score that say, okay, you know, we don't, we're not completely sure that Constantine started this company, but, you know, based on all this evidence, which, you know, each of them are verified, you know, there's a, you know, high chance that he probably is the founder of this company. Mm-hmm. And, so based and on that's, records, yeah. that's, that's what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we're, we're looking at the actions of people, you know, that's, that's the important thing. We don't want them only people to only enter this information in about themselves, because that's where there's the possibility that people, you know, could enter falsified information about mm-hmm. themselves. So we're looking about, we're looking at sort of external, you know, factors that, you know, prove something about, um, you know, their, their, their status or, you know, their identity. So you, you would probably analyze some, some people who are associated to this company, like colleagues or some partners or some people who maybe mention this company, right? So all of the other data sets that then they constituted some kind of like sort of a semantic web that how you analyze, you know, with artificial intelligence and different like tools, right? And then you make a scoring system that allows people to actually like, again, not 100% verify it, but at least give the probability of trustworthiness. That That's right. That's right. Because you see today, you know, even though these decisions are being made, the foundation of this information is not even, you know, completely solid because you know the, the facts that are there are mainly you know not verified uh, they're, they're mainly you know people putting in information about themselves so if we can solve that then that will actually lend more um you know strength to kind of the next level of analysis um you know that um you know people are you know making based on these uh, based on this information mm-hmm. yeah so that that's that's it and and you can tell there's you know, lots of work. There's a lots of work ahead. Um, you know, to um, not only um, you know capture this information, but to you know help people, decision makers, uh, companies um, easily analyze this information. And you know, technology is great for that. Whether it's AI or you know data science, all, all those are tractable problems. So we're we're starting at kind of a you know more fundamental level to make sure that the source data is you know really good, so that you know. Uh, you know, it, it's not, you know, garbage in, garbage out kind of a situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so let, let me ask you, okay, so I mean, we definitely can talk about the theoretical part. Let's talk about the practicality. So people right now, they, whoever subscribe to the platform. So can you talk a little bit about the status? Like, you know, is when is the mainnet, is this open? Like, you know, so when can people actually use the human trust protocol? Yeah, so um, we, we released a DAP um, back in uh, April of uh, 2019, mm-hmm. and it's been growing and growing. And it's, it's really a, uh, a community platform um, that allows people to sort of join, um, this is a very rough analogy, sort of a decentralized LinkedIn where they can uh, participate in activities and engage uh, with each, each other. And what we're doing there is, you know, first of all, we're, we're trying to, you know, create something useful for people uh, where they can, you know, connect with industry peers and uh, have meaningful engagement. 
But what we're doing is we're helping them to develop profiles about themselves around what kinds of activities they're interested in, um, what kinds of activities they're participating in, and, and really kind of building up this profile based on uh, behaviors, based on actions that they're doing. And, and the goal of that is to, you know, uh, start to collect these facts and develop this kind of, you know, reputation that people can take uh, in a portable way, you know, not only, you know, use on our platform, but also use on other platforms like marketplaces and, and things like that as well. So that's one of the, you know, companies that, um, were, you know, is, is really, you know, built on this uh, blockchain. The other company is um, a, a company that is actually just uh, in the business of running background checks and helping um, people run background checks. So in the U.S., for example, almost all employers uh, employ some kind of background checks when they hire people. And background checks, that's just a fancy term for verifying the backgrounds of people, you know, making sure that they, you know, went to a certain school, they went to, uh, they, they worked at a certain place, they are no criminal records, <laughs> they have no criminal records, exactly. Uh, if they're driving, you know, for example, in a gig economy company, you know, their driving record uh, is clear, you know, that sort of thing. And so uh, the background check company is explicitly trying to verify facts um, about people uh, on behalf of um, companies that are hiring. And, uh, you know, our goal is that, uh, you know, we're going to be putting this information um, onto the blockchain and, and making it available for those users so that they can uh, reuse those facts that are now verified about them uh, for future jobs and opportunities. That's interesting. So for that, you need a critical mass of people, right? You know, so uh, are you are you looking to integrate with other platforms and provide, you know, like the because it's peer to peer network, and I assume, like you know, as a, as a as a like the base la layer, you can easily help other uh, applications to be on top of your trust protocol, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's there's lots of opportunities, you know, to integrate, and we're looking for those. Um, opportunities where there's a motivation, you know, to want to use this information. So, so in the case of uh, the background check company, you know, employers need to run background checks. So there's a need to mm -hmm. verify this information. So we, we could actually be integrated into um, applicant tracking systems. We could be yeah, integrated into, uh, you know, labor marketplaces where, you know, people are finding jobs and trying to get hired and, you know, need to run background checks those are, you know, great places to, um, you know, partner with uh, to, uh, you know, get the critical mass of users um, to uh, kind of build their profile on, you know, blockchain. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that we found uh, over on the community platform is that um, people love going to events. And, and, and this year in particular, uh, they've attended a lot of virtual events. And so we're able to you know, uh, help them um, develop a profile where they can use that as a way to network with other people and uh, see a profile of, you know, other people that, you know, they're uh, meeting and sort of the interests that they have in um, events that they've gone to in the past to, to sort of gauge, um, you know, the shared interests and, um, you know, maybe they've gone to the same events too that, you know, gives them a starting point to break the ice and, you know, get to know the other person. So, so how, how many users do you have right now, if I may ask? We have tens of thousands right now. And, um, you know, it's been, uh, you know, it's always hard to grow kind of a, you know, a, a network effect, uh, you know, type of business. 
Um, but um, we've seen some, you know, really great exponential growth this year uh, on the platform. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, very going to give us a really great uh, opportunity to grow even, you know, more into next year. So we're really excited about the opportunity for next year because we're definitely seeing network effects uh, happening and um, we're, uh, you know, going to be able to do even better next year in terms of, you know, getting to even higher numbers. Yeah, and I'm sure you will because it's uh, it's great. And I and I think let's let's also talk about the other I would say incentive models because you have a a token, you know, like a even dual model a token model. So can you help people to understand like you know why do you need a token and how does it work? Yeah, so um, I'm going to try to explain it as simple as possible because uh, you know I don't want to you know uh, take up the remainder of this. Um, uh, session to, 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 to explain it. Um, but, you know, one of the core ideas around the token is that we, we want to provide incentives for people to be trustworthy. So there's this idea around staking where when someone, you know, gets into an interaction with uh, somebody else, they're basically kind of staking their trust. So we call that, you know, trust stake, you know, uh, <laughs> not, not too fancy. Um, and the idea is that, um, you know, they're, they're putting something at risk, you know, these tokens um, uh, for in the name of trustworthy interaction with, uh, you know, the other party. And if everybody, you know, has a successful transaction, um, they get their stake back uh, plus some reward. And that, you know, gives them an incentive to, you know, be trustworthy uh, in case there are any, you know, problems in the interaction or transaction they try to work it out, uh, you know, to earn the stake. So, so just to clarify, like, you know, just let's go back a little bit, like, you know, how do I even get the initial coins, right? You know, so do I have to register and I get a bonus, like, or an airdrop, or do I have to acquire them? Or do you have to make some actions to generate them? So let's just start from zero, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, first of all, we want to get this going. So, you know, we are you know, giving people uh, some of these tokens to, you know, start with. And, um, uh, you know, we just you know, give it to them and, and hopefully they will, you know, earn more through the platform. Um, eventually, you know, we won't uh, be as generous in terms of awarding these tokens and people, will, you know, have to, you know, purchase them from, you know, other holders in order to, you know, use them in this sort of marketplace mm -hmm. of um, interactions. Um, so uh, so that that's the, you know, idea. Um, and the goal is that as they earn more and more of these tokens, um, they can do some other things with with them. So one of the things that they can do is um, actually participate in sort of higher, you know, value or, you know, higher staked types of interactions. So, you know, maybe if you're bidding on a, you know, million dollar project, you know, the required stake that uh, is needed uh, in this kind of transaction could be much higher than if you were, you know, uh, trying to, you know, do a website design for, for someone that might, you know, not cost a million dollars. So, so, you know, having, you know, more tokens at your disposal allows you to um, gain access to greater opportunities in these marketplaces. And, and, and that's one of the, you know, uh, concepts uh, around the project. The other concept, you know, essentially is that you can, you know, this, this token becomes valuable in itself for trading product products and services on the platforms itself. So even today, uh, you can use these tokens to, for example, um, 
you know, attend events. You know, this is a community platform, so there's a lot of events that are going on. So rather than paying fiat for attending this event, you can, you know, if you have uh, extra tokens, you can just pay um, for uh, these events using the tokens, and there will mm -hmm. be event organizers who want to collect these tokens, uh, you know, in exchange for letting you into the event. So it's start starting to work, and uh, we want to see more and more examples of uh, all these different kinds of interactions. So, so how many how many tokens do I get a, a, as a person who ref like first time I register the platform? We'll give you fifty dollars uh, in uh, tokens. How many uh, how many tokens is that? Um, so right now it's actually fifty because we we have a uh, you know in this two token system we have a a, a stable uh, you know coin token that is like one to one to dollar yeah 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 so we give you fifty of those and and uh, you know away you go you can do whatever you want. Okay. So now, now let's do some practical assignments. So we 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 make a bet with you, right? So the next time we let's imagine we have a next. Uh, uh, the bet is that whether we're going to have an, a second interview or not. So I I put fifty tokens that we will have, and you might bet that fifty tokens maybe that we will not. So what's what's going to happen uh, once we stake uh, uh, on the platform something, and how is it distributed? Like who makes the decision that you know whatever you're pledging to do is actually happening and you're getting the reward? Well, um, you know, both sides of an interaction, you know, there could be multi-party uh, interactions as well, but let's say, you know, in the simplest case, there's just two people, you know, who are interacting. Um, we are participants in this decision-making process as well. So if we have a successful, um, you know, uh, interaction, um, you know, we can say, hey, we're both happy and, um, you know, we're, um, you know, good to go. So we get our stake back you know, plus um, a bit of reward. Um, uh, I'll, I'll talk about malicious users. We can talk about that if you want, but, um, you know, the, the, the white paper deals uh, with that as well. Um, but let's say that, um, you know, in the case, only one of us is happy. You know, you have a problem with me. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I sucked at answering your questions. So, you know, did not give a successful interview. Um, and uh, so what, what we talk about is um, that we rely on community members who uh, essentially can serve as uh, arbitrators to um, come look at the, the situation, basically be an objective third party and, you know, make a decision about, you know, who was right. And, and so um, they can essentially, you know, push the stake to the kind of the, the, the winning party or they can, you know, do anything, you know, in between. Uh, to sort of you know balance out the um, you know the 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 the, the award uh, mm -hmm. of, of the stake you know to the appropriate uh, individual. Yeah. So first of all, this is a great interview. So like I, I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. And the secondly, in terms of um, who's paying the the reward, so you like there's like the bank is basically the the pool of funds you know the hub token that. Uh, that is accumulated and then like you, it's being paid from from this particular pool right so it's already initially in the design of uh, the entire decentralized system you know like of of paying out those rewards right that's right um and 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 then you know who's paying the arbiters right um so yeah, you know there's a much. there's sort of a network fee you know idea where you know there's a little commission for you know using the the network and and that goes to fund you know, people like our arbiters who uh, get um, mm -hmm. compensated for, you know, performing their tasks as sort of experts in the community. 
And not to go deeply like technological, but we're talking about, I assume it's a proof of stake, right? In my model. Um, uh, I mean, you call, you, you, you call it, I remember like, and it's a pr- pr- proof, of, proof of trust, right? <laughs> we, we have, that's a big word for us. So uh, we, we like to, uh, you know, use the word trust uh, pretty, uh, pretty often. I mean, there is also a reputation sort of attached to these uh, arbitrators as well. So, you know, if they are sort of arbitrating fairly, uh, hopefully, again, they get more opportunities. But if they're not really, you know, acting fairly in a in a marketplace, then you know maybe they have less opportunities. No, that's that's incredible. Again, not to go do really deep into tokenomics because we can talk about it like as a I think for more than an hour easily. Like you know, there is an incentive model. There is an explanation clear in the white paper. So please uh, take a look at it and. Um, there is different examples of usage of uh, uh, by the users and how to run a node, you know, like and you know the, uh, how the staker words they work and basically how the evaluation works. So we're just like going through through nitty gritty details. If you don't like to read a lot in detail, so we're just like trying to <laughs> um, put in more simplified language for you. Uh, but the let, let's talk about the. Uh, uh, the taxonomy of the tasks of different like you know opportunities right and and as you mentioned some of the dishonest raiders and like you know the this dynamics between the people who are trying to basically like fool the bank yeah that's right that's right um you know in any kind of reputation system there there there's uh, definitely the uh, potential for um you know malicious users to you know game the system Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to support, um, you know, their, their friends uh, when, uh, you know, they're, they're not, uh, you know, supposed to and sort of, you know, providing, you know, again, falsified, you know, reputation. And so um, we, we have some ideas uh, for how to identify uh, malicious users and, and uh, to further identify uh, sort of, you know, networks of those because they tend to, you know, collude with, with others. And so once we um, you know, identify those malicious uh, users. Uh, we we sort of you know flag them and 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 disable them, you know, from the system. And 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 that's you know sort of known to uh, the other you know members of the community as well. Um, it it is um, I would say an ongoing problem because there's there's been no perfect solution mm-hmm. uh, to that. But but the idea is to you know can really try to minimize that so that you know by and large the um, you know, facts that are known or are verified. Um, and just to get a little bit closer to, you know, uh, more verified information so that people can make better decisions and, you know, essentially create trust uh, with each other. Yeah. And I, and I guess if there is a, like at least a, like improvement in whatever, it's hard to even quantify, but even if, even if it's in like small percentage, you know, if people will start trusting and it'll be easier to verify uh, each other, that's already a huge uh, achievement and not, not to obviously not to say anything wrong about LinkedIn, who's, which is also your baby as well, but there are a lot of, there are a number of people who actually now create fake LinkedIn accounts and uh, they try to ask for money. Like, you know, my friend just recently posted, he was asked uh, uh, for like, send him a few, few Bitcoins, you know, like just to support, you know, the poor family in Nigeria. Again, uh, I understand people are desperate and they're trying to be creative, <laughs> but, um, but I, I assume from thousands people one might actually fall for it so and there's no way to even in such a brilliant platform uh and such a like 
huge enterprise level, like, you know, like with all the money in the world, with all the opportunities to cybersecurity, because there's a human factor, like even there, like mm -hmm. it's just impossible to create a bulletproof, bulletproof solution. It's kind of the, the system actually is hoping that you have enough critical thinking to analyze the situation on your own. <laughs> so, um, so, and I guess the same goal falls for you, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, um, part of the purpose of the platform is to, you know, prevent fraud and, 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 and you know, you know, especially with regard to financial services, uh, you know, reducing fraud, mitigating fraud is a huge area um, for, for financial institutions. I mean, they spend uh, growing amounts of money, you know, billions of dollars that, that every year that, that are growing to uh, do things like KYC, um, and, um, you know, reduce, you know, incidents of fraud in their networks, you know, because, you know, when, when money is involved, you know, people's motivations, uh, you know, become questionable sometimes. So this protocol really fits into that. And, and we actually uh, have been uh, working on some DeFi ideas, which, you know, has been hot the last, uh, you know, few months uh, to really directly apply what we're doing, you know, into uh, the DeFi area, you know, as, as well. Um, but we also believe that there's a positive side of reputation as well, you know, mm -hmm. which is that, you know, the people who do have, you know, great um, reputations um, do, you know, tend to get access to greater opportunities. I mean, you have, you know, uh, sites uh, on, you know, e-commerce, that's the clearest, simplest example of this, where, you know, when, a, when something is rated well, you know, people, people want to buy it. You know, as opposed yeah. to uh, products for which there are, you know, very few ratings, um, you know, um, it, it it's becomes kind of questionable. And it's the same thing, you know, with, with uh, you know, people and the way that we interact with each other. So we're trying to bring a little bit of more quantification to that and, and, and surface people who really, you know, truly believe, uh, deserve uh, opportunity, you know, for themselves. Oh, no, for, for sure. And I think it's such an important task and such a complex task, like, you know, to, to create a certain, like, reliable uh, vector or, so to speak, like, you know, index of, uh, of, a, of one person of ability to deliver uh, trustworthy information, any information, right? And, and just to make sure that it's, like, it's true. Uh, it's, it's, that's a huge problem you're solving. And uh, once you're going to solve it to, to all the levels that you're hoping to solve it, like, you know, I'm sure this is, uh, this is going to be one of the most disruptive technologies that we potentially have because, you know, it is challenging just because uh, of human beings, you know, we tend to mess up the best technologies, unfortunately. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I think the ideal is brilliant. And, um, you know, again, I, I, even though how skeptical and critical I can be in certain um, elements of this, just because I, I know that we as human beings are, will try to break anything possible like you know so but in recruiting business I'm, i think it's huge market opportunity just for the for a recruiter especially from another country to make sure that the person is trustworthy whether you're hiring a developer or designer uh or a consultant and we have examples of well, let's say upwork right where you have ratings and stars 
okay, what about those people? Like, what about the recruiters who actually themselves, they're not trustworthy and they try to mess up the, the rising talent uh, uh, who's just started and now he gets like a, in aggregate a very like, you know, 3.5 or 3.7, you know, stars. And now he's not anymore so sexy for the market, right? So, uh, so there are a lot of instances where I think your solution might be like irreplaceable once it's uh, going to have the scale and integration with a lot of platforms. Um, so maybe you, because we have don't have a lot of time left, or I'll I'll be curious to talk about more about the DeFi aspect of it once it's going to be more public. I guess right now you don't want to speak about it for now. <laughs> another um, opportunity for another uh, you know chance to talk with you yeah yeah no I, I would love that because i think decentralized finance is a is a, is a huge uh topic and there are a lot of uh, great technologies happening there so uh, i'm sure if you integrate it in this particular angle uh, that can be a driver for people to actually again unfortunately we should say it openly like to, to be incentivized to even try it because it's so hard to get the the critical mass of users and ironically, even such a brilliant idea, such a, uh, I would say, um, positive idea to improve trust, people get to it in the beginning, majority of the people still will get it like, you know, from speculative incentives, like, and then other people, like the certain percentage will come because they love the idea and they love the people who promote it and others will come just because they want to earn tokens. And this is also natural, natural selection. <laughs> um, yeah. The question to you is probably, um, I want to end it up in more of a philosophical concept because trust has a lot to it, you know, with a philosophical angle. So what is trust to you and how do you envision uh, a meaning of life through the prism of trustworthy society? Well, in our white paper, we have a sort of a technical definition of trust. Uh, it, it's kind of dry, so I'm not sure if I should, you know, say it here. But you know, it, it does make sense. And and uh, but uh, maybe I'll you know take the uh, you know precious time that we have left to, you know, talk about another aspect of trust. Um, you know, the reason you know that I'm so drawn to this uh, project, and you know, those on our team who are working on it are drawn to it as well, is that, you know, we we believe in um, you know better lives for, for people, you know, especially the ones who don't necessarily have access to, you know, econo uh, economic opportunities, uh, like, um, you know, both of us and others we know are so fortunate to have. And, and so it's a democratizing force. So if we can, we've, if we can level up, you know, the trust and, and make trust more transparent, um, you know, in digital form, I believe that that's going to help, you know, people around the world. And that's one of the reasons why we, you know, do it as well. Um, and then the other thing, which, you know, I think we've done a lot of thought of uh, throughout this project is really um, this whole idea of, um, you know, the information that we're getting on the internet. It, it, it's, it's doesn't seem like a related idea at the beginning, but, you know, uh, ever since we've been uh, around on this project, there's been so much talk about fake news and misinformation and, and uh, it's really become kind of a pandemic of its own, you know, online, um, mm -hmm. not to talk about, you know, COVID and so forth, but uh, this idea of, you know, getting at, you know, what is the real information again, so that we can, you know, carry on and make better decisions about our lives and so forth. 
it is also rooted in this uh, idea of trust. And so we believe that's going to be really important, you know, as well. So we hope to basically, you know, do some things in this world that, that really matter to people. One is to, you know, give them access to more opportunities. And then second, um, in terms of their own, you know, uh, education and, 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 you know, consuming uh, information, which is so easily shared these days, um, to, to, to make them, you know, uh, more informed, uh, you know, people, hopefully, which will lead them to make better decisions for themselves. Yeah. And what is a, your personal meter of life, if I may ask you? My personal meaning of life? Or? Yes. Um, well, my personal view is to, you know, um, you know, be here because um, I'm creating value. I, I, I'm meant to create value uh, for others and, and uh, you know, always looking for new ways to, um, you know, to do that. So work is never done. And um, so we, we hope to, you know, create even more value for, you know, people out there. Yeah. And I think you do create a lot of value. This is, this is like one of the great examples of value economy and building trust. I think this is one of the most like, I would say, uh, positive and important ideas, you know, like uh, that you can ever imagine. And Oh, the fact that you're implementing it practically and there you have tens of thousands of users, you know, I think that that's a proof of concept that it, it is possible and I'm sure it's going to grow bigger. I think I, I, I'm sure it's just going to take time, this inflection point where people are going to feel like, okay, this is where we actually can build the reputation and we don't have to be scared that, you know, we'll fake accounts, mm -hmm. fake news or any other like web as paraphrasing the the song like you know this is, this information is a weapon of mass destruction so this is um so this is really really important task and i uh and i implore people to uh go to your website and to to, to take a look to register to download the white paper you know just just in case hoptoken.org and I'm, I'm gonna put it into the description uh and uh yeah i i i would love to have another interview obviously eric because this is not enough uh for <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll get to a, a good update you know in terms of the progress that we've made we're you know definitely taking concrete steps uh, i know it's a grand uh, vision but it's important to take uh concrete steps as you know to uh you know try to achieve this so we're, we're definitely well on our way so we could definitely see the kind of the momentum is uh, starting to you know come behind us and um you know help us move things forward it'll be very exciting uh, even for me to just see how this unfolds so what's the next big date you know that we can expect oh i don't know we've got so many things that we uh, that we want to do. Um, but, you know, honestly, I think um, uh, we, we've been quite excited about DeFi and you know, doing something there. So um, we've been working, you know, quite hard and, um, you know, flushing that out and, and getting that delivered into the market in the next few months. So Q1, uh, can 2021? Uh, maybe, maybe first half of 2021. These things are rather complex okay. uh, when okay. they involve, you know, currencies and, and other people's money. Just just to intrigue people a little bit so that they will expect, you know, some of the announcements. Okay. Uh, the last question I will ask you, and I, I promise this will be the last in terms of the book that you would advise, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, especially we're talking about trust, maybe something along these lines. Um, a, a book. A book, yeah. Some, some, something that besides it, not necessarily blockchain oriented, maybe something that people will actually... Uh, reveal the importance of trust? Well, that's a really uh, deep question. I, I don't know of, um, you know, many good books on the topic, but 
you know, Rachel Bossman has been one of my, you know, heroes in yeah. this uh, journey because she talks so much about trust. Uh, she has a lot of videos. Um, I think she's written some things as well uh, online. And, um, you know, I, I think it's fabulous concepts and uh, was really an inspiration, you know, to us. Um, I also uh, really like, um, uh, you know, uh, all, all, the, all the talks about, you know, uh, internet of value, because I, I very much believe this is, um, you know, very much along the lines of, you know, creating, you know, an inter, uh, internet of value. Um, and so that, that's been, you know, kind of on our reading list a lot in terms of how we create, you know, value from these technologies rather than, you know, mere sort of information that exists out there right now. Okay. So, yeah, I guess you're talking about also Who Can You Trust by Rachel Botsman. This is a pretty good book. Like, you know, uh, so I'm going to share this one and yeah, Internet Value. So, no, that, that's, I think that will be enough for just a good read for people to uh, have, um, um, the beginning, like, you know, understanding of the, the depth you're going into. Uh, and yeah, I, again, your white paper, I think also a good primer for understanding the, both the uh, Kant's philosophical and the technological concepts. Uh, so I really thank you for your time, Eric. And I, again, I, I hope that, you know, one, in the next year, we're going to see each other again with some bigger announcements. I certainly hope so, uh, Constantine. It's been a great pleasure. And, uh, you know, let's talk again soon. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.